Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. everybody. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And on today's episode, I have a friend of mine, James Lenhoff. He is a National Sales Director at Good Sense Movement. And he's also a CFP and a co-founder of WealthQuest. He has 22 years as a financial planner. So he's walked this journey of financial management and financial investing and all of that with many, many people. What I love most about James is that he loves stewardship. He loves the Lord. And this whole topic of finances is where he shines. And so I wanted to invite him on and talk about a topic that we're both very passionate about, and that is being intentional about financial decisions. James, say hello to everybody. Well, thanks for having me, Leo. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I am too. Well, I know you and I had some email exchanges and talked about this topic, and I thought it'd be a great idea to bring this on and discuss it so that we can make this available to the folks that are listening to our podcast on a regular basis. I think this is such an important topic because it's right at the core of what we are called to be and what we're called to do. We are stewards called to manage God's resources. And some of that is not just financial, but finances certainly play a part in that. And that's an important topic that we, of course, talk about all the time. So let's just start with why is intentionality and financial decisions important? Well, I think it is the most important mark of a steward. A faithful steward should always be able to answer the question, why? And as I've been walking life with all these different families over the years, I feel like that's been one of the biggest blind spots. I think a lot of times we think we're solving math problems, right? Mm-hmm. That money is all about math and math is really hard and that's why money's hard. Uh, money is not actually that complicated. The math is pretty easy. The hard part is the fact that all of our emotions, our fear, our greed all gets kind of mixed up. It's it's the emotional side of things that make things really, really difficult. And most of, if not maybe all of our decisions are made emotionally. And so if we make those decisions in the moment, I hear over and over and over again when I talk to people, hey, what, why'd you do that? Or why'd you make that decision? And what they say more often than not is, I just felt like it. And that is not faithful stewardship to me to say, eh, that's just kind of what I felt like in the moment. So I did it. I didn't really have any plan for it. I hadn't really thought about it ahead of time. I just reacted and went with that moment's emotion. Most of the time, that's going to lead us to things that are counterproductive. They're using God's resources to help medicate our own emotion. We feel insignificant. We feel inadequate. And so we medicate that feeling And that's what we are acting on in that moment rather than deciding ahead of time how we're going to live intentionally so we can explain those decisions clearly because we made them before we were in that moment when we were getting taken advantage of by marketing and all these other things that are screaming for our attention and asking us to make the wrong decision. Yeah, that's so good. I I agree with you. I think everybody would agree that 
emotions play a huge role in the decisions we make. And sometimes that's important. Uh, we need to be emotionally connected and make sure, especially if we're taking care of people and we need to have empathy and all that's very important. But when it comes to finances, emotional decisions are rarely a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. In fact, when we're emotionally charged, which is you hinted on marketing and cultural beliefs, when we're emotionally charged, that's usually when we kind of short circuit the common sense approach to why we should do or not do a certain thing, uh, especially as it relates to finances. So talk about that a little bit. Uh, how mm -hmm. difficult is it to be intentional and what are some of those barriers? Well, it is really hard to be intentional nowadays. I think um, one of the things that's always been fascinating to me is the fact that marketing agencies know us so much better than we know ourselves. Mm. They know the buttons to push. They know the emotions to manipulate the ways to take advantage of us. And so particularly now, as we are scrolling through constant stimulus, whether that's Facebook or it's, you know, something on the internet where we're just being shouted at, uh, they know how to capture us in that moment and, and pull out something that we're maybe able to fight against when we're alert, when we're paying attention. But a lot of times we're just kind of vegging and we're, we're not as diligent. And then we get that ad that pops up and says, hey, you know what would make you feel better? You know, it would make you feel more significant or would make you feel better about how you look or would make you feel like you have more status. If you bought this widget that you didn't even know existed until two seconds ago, but now I've convinced you you can't live without it because it's going to make you feel better. Right. And so there's just so much stimulation that's telling us this will fix your problem. This will make you more attractive, make you more powerful, make you more you know, influential, whatever. And all of those messages are streaming at us 24 hours a day now. It, you know, it used to be that you could avoid that. You could get away from it a whole lot easier. Now it is just everywhere. The, the ads are following you. If you even click on something, maybe because you were kind of interested in it, it's going to follow you for the next 12, 15 days as you are on the internet. Anywhere else, you're going to see ads for that thing because the, they know the more that they can keep putting it in front of you, the more likely it is that you're going to crack and make a purchase decision or a spending decision that's totally out of line with your priorities, but will make you feel that jolt of dopamine in the moment. It's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's so, so true. And it is the stimulation, I think, that sometimes also creates the need for something more substantial. Um, yep. But if we're continuing to pursue the next thing that makes us feel better, and it's so much easier today, you know, part of my stewardship story is that when I was a young person, young adult, uh, had just gotten married. My wife and I both came into the marriage with a little bit of debt, not extravagant debt, but enough uh, debt. And then we continued to add to it. But it was much harder back then to add to debt. It was harder to purchase things. Um, we didn't have the phone to click on things and buy five things in the next you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> you had right. to drive. You had to go to the mall. You had to drive to places to buy things. And so it made it more difficult, and there was less stimulation. Today... I mean, if you're connected to your phone and that phone rings and you have your notifications on, every single stimuli from every app, from every interest you have can consistently interrupt you and draw you away from whatever you're doing. And a lot of that can be very connected to what are we going to do next? Are we going to spend or are we going to ignore that and go about our day? 
it's so much harder today to ignore the stimulation that happens, especially because these phones are connected so closely to us. It's almost like you get anxiety when you walk away from your phone. I was in the garage over the weekend working a little bit, and I realized I had left my phone in the kitchen, and I had been without it for about two, three hours. And, you know, I had these thoughts. What if I missed a call? What if I missed a text? <laughs> it's yeah, such a ridiculous right. thing that we have been <laughs> trained so well by unfortunately, people who can take advantage of that. I'm not saying a phone is bad. I'm not saying uh, I would want to go back to, you know, dial-up phone uh, service and all of that. Sure, right. But right. but it is very, very difficult in that sense. And I think we, we kind of lose track of that. And we don't realize yeah. how, how impactful it, it really is. Well, I mean, think about the fact that not only are we so trained to, to respond to that stimulus, right? The phone buzz or the, the, the noise that it makes, we also then have instant access through Amazon, any number of different outlets, but primarily Amazon. I mean, you can you know, speak into the air if you have uh, one of their devices and say, I need more of this or I want this thing and order it. You don't even have to have a device out. You just say it and it'll be there tomorrow. And so it, because there's no barrier to the purchase, you, the, the whole goal of retailers is to streamline and take away obstacles to purchases, right? Just make it so easy that in the moment when you feel like you want something, you can buy it and have it on order immediately. And so they've tried to take all of the things that used to be, that at least slow us down mm -hmm. so that we would have a moment for our brains to catch up to our emotions and go, ah, actually, that's not going to do what you think it's going to do. We don't get that moment anymore. Right. You know, the, the emotion just carries us and we can stay in that emotion the whole time. And then it isn't until the thing shows up two days later, we go, why did I order this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is this thing? Yeah. What, what, what happened today? What came today? And so because that is all moving at light speed, we have not, I don't think, fully understood the ramifications of how that keeps us in this emotional buying place. And, you know, my whole argument, and Leo, you and I have talked about this a bunch, is I think this is why the church is so critical in this conversation. So often people think that the money conversation should be happening with financial planners. And I'm saying, hey, I, I, as a financial planner, the church needs to get into this discussion because it actually has what these people need. Mm -hmm. The financial planner can give them math arguments and show them projections and things like that, but the church can actually meet them in their spiritual and emotional condition and say, Hey, no matter what you buy, you're not going to feel more significant. Right. Right. Like, this is never going to get you where you think it's going to get you. It's the only entity out there. I think that can actually go toe to toe with the marketing agencies because mm -hmm. everything's telling everyone this will make you feel better. And the church can say, actually, Jesus is the only answer. Right. None of these other things will ever get you there. And that, is a message that really is at the core of a lot of this lack of intentionality is people are just, they don't see those resources as God's, they see them as theirs and they get to do whatever they want with them. And if they want to buy this thing that they don't need, and it's not going to actually make them any happier, they just do it. And then when you ask them why they say, no, I just felt like it. It's not good enough. Right. Right. And also I think the, you know, for many of our listeners, they're stewardship leaders or champions mm -hmm. in their own church. And so many of them will do some form of counseling or teaching. And part of that is to deal with people that are, that you just described, which is people that will make these emotional decisions 
or just because they want to do what they want to do. Sometimes they're ignorant toward God's principles, so they don't even know they're violating the principles that God has put in place. Right. Yep. So, so you know, we, we try to do our best to educate, to help people understand God's Word. But then what you said is so, so important because the spiritual side is the only thing that can really defeat our own selfish desires. Yes. Right? It's only when we are faced with Christ and what He's done and what He's called us to, and the fact that this is not the end all. The world, as we see it and as we know it, as we experience it, is not really the ultimate destination. And it isn't what God intentionally desired for us. And, and that's the, the part that I think a lot of folks try to figure out. You know, maybe if I make more money, I'll fix my problem. But many of our leaders that are dealing with people and trying to help people with this, especially the one-on-one coaching side of it, they're running right up against this, well, why can't I have this? Why shouldn't I have this? And sometimes it's a difficult thing to communicate. And I know this, it's impossible to actually train and help someone to change that, to change the way they're, they're living emotionally and making these decisions and being intentional uh, unless you help them see it from a biblical perspective. Because you and I just do not have enough argument or enough benefit that this is better for them. It has to come from the Holy Spirit. It has to come from God's Word that brings that yeah. conviction and revelation. Well, yeah, you know, interestingly enough, there's a there's an old adage in the marketing business, which is what everyone is being subject to. The marketing is this constant messaging. But one of the things that I find really uh, enlightening is that when you're marketing something, uh, the the old adage is you you want to make sure you're a pain reliever, not a vitamin, mm. because if you're a vitamin. You can tell people how good it is, how great it is, how healthy it is for them. They're still not going to take it, but they're always going to take their pain reliever, right? The pain reliever, that that's what they'll act on. And the thing that's so fascinating, and this is where the church really needs to step into this conversation, is the pain. What, what marketing agencies learned long ago is that experiences are always going to be worth more than things. We are wired as humans. We're designed to be relational, to be engaged in shared experience, to do adventure together. And the whole purpose of that is that we get to link arms with the king of the universe and go do and care for others and all the amazing things we get to do together, but it's rooted in shared experience. And so the thing that's so interesting, if you watch these marketing messages, none of them are actually marketing products anymore. You know, you you look at the latest iPhone ad, they don't tell you how much memory it has, how fast it is, you know, how many pixels the screen has. They used to give you details of the product. Right. But right. what everyone realized is that actually isn't that's the vitamin. Nobody buys that. The pain reliever is look at this beautiful person holding this thing and having this amazing experience. Don't you want to be like them? Don't you want to feel beautiful? Don't you want to experience this amazing thing? And if you buy this product, you'll have this experience. And so we're all getting tricked into buying things and believing they're going to give us experiences and they always fall short. Yeah. You know, but the experience we're looking for is that connection, that belonging, that, that deep sense of meaning and purpose that is found in the community of the church and in following Jesus. And yet the money conversation a lot of times is happening outside those walls. Yeah, that, that's so true. And it's unfortunate because that's really where the rubber meets the road. When people are making these financial decisions, trying to 
medicate themselves, right? They're trying to yes. satisfy the next emotional uh, need they have. And when the church really has the answer, mm-hmm. right? We have the answer, which is our relationship with Christ, first and foremost, is going to bring the most uh, healing and the most fulfillment to our lives. But beyond that, the, you said the church, so it's the body of Christ, it's other believers that not only live as you do, but support that lifestyle. Because, like you said, there's so much coming against us that you need to have an opposing view, right? If, if all you're right. hearing one side, in fact, it's it's kind of the, the marketing um, strategy, and in, in even in politics, it's, if we can tell you something and kind of run you all the way up to the edge where you're not quite mad enough to be irate and act, but you're upset about it, but then we back off, and then we do it over and over and over again. Pretty soon, you're comfortable with us talking about it. You're comfortable with yeah. this you, and it's like, well, kind of everybody thinks that way. And that's happening at every level. Marketing is, is a huge part of that. We need to understand that, that whatever we're pursuing, we need to look deeper than what's going on in the moment. What is it that makes us unsatisfied with what we have? If we have something that's, especially something that's working, and that's most of the time we'll get rid of something that's still working. This is something that past generations did not do. It wasn't the ability to just replace something because it got old or it got dirty. You would have to fix it over and over and over again. I remember one of my my father's uncles bought a BMW back in the 60s or early 70s. And the last time he visited us was in the 90s. He had rebuilt that engine on that car four times. (laughs) Four times. And he was still driving it 30-some years later. That's and, amazing. And, and wow. that's something that was past generations. But now, because we have this ability to just replace things, we just do it. And it's not because it's yeah. broken. It's not because it's in, not working anymore or it's no longer. It's just it doesn't suit our fancy. It's, or, like you said, it's more of the fact that we're being convinced that without that thing, whether it's the newer yeah. model or whatever, we're just not going to be happy. And then when it arrives, it doesn't fulfill. So then we're yeah. on to the next thing. It's this amazing behavioral finance concept called hedonic adaptation, which basically means that things become familiar over time, and as a result, they lose value. Mm. And so we need the new thing in order to feel something that's different, right? If, if we're looking for things to give us an experience, where in, in your uncle's case, he was looking for that thing to just drive him from A to B. But if we're looking at that thing to give us an experience, well, the problem is that thing is familiar. Like when I got my phone, the first week or two that I had it, I was able to, you know, text myself as a unicorn talking to my kids, right? Super fun for a week. And then it's just my phone, mm-hmm. right? You just get used to it. It's, it's so much less valuable to you because it's familiar. And then you need the newest version because that's a different experience and it feels good again. So there's this constant pull for the next iteration, next version, because we're really trying to buy an experience. It has so long now not been about a product. It's not even a thing anymore. It's an experience, and we need a new one to feel it. Well, I do hope that you're enjoying this conversation, and we're going to come right back to it. But I want to take just a minute to introduce you to one of our ministry partners. CSN's ministry would not be possible without the help of our partners, and frankly, we wouldn't want to do it without them. What they offer to churches and church leaders through services, content, and resources that they have is invaluable to building a healthy stewardship ministry and helping their people to become good stewards and generous givers. 
This episode of the Stewardship Leader Podcast is sponsored by Good Sense Movement. Good Sense is a nonprofit organization that exists to help churches equip their congregation in a key area of Christian discipleship, financial stewardship. Good Sense believes that as people live out the wisdom of God's word in the area of finances, they grow closer to God. Good Sense has a variety of resources that will engage and equip your entire congregation, not just those in financial crisis. Good Sense offers consulting to help churches develop a stewardship program that fits the unique needs of their congregation. To learn more, visit goodsensemovement.org. I do a little bit of uh, consulting with uh, estate planning, helping people to understand what <coughs> estate planning is. And, and one of the cultural norms that I run up against when I'm meeting with people to talk about their estate plan and p- putting together a plan for what they're going to do with that final gift that they leave when they pass away. And one of the cultural norms that has been adapted over the last maybe, I don't know, maybe less than 30 or 40, 50 years or so, is this idea that you have to leave something for your children, that you have to leave your wealth with them, that that not doing it would be, I don't know, uh, condemning in some ways, I guess. Right. People feel that. They feel like, I have to, I don't have a choice, I have to leave it. And then when you right. dig a little deeper and you're talking to them about how their children are managing money today, or whether they think that it's going to bless or hinder them, they readily say, I, yeah, I, I don't trust the way they're managing money. I said, yep. but yes, but you're going to leave them you know, half a million to a million dollars estate as a yep. one-time gift. That money's going to come in, and it's like winning the lottery to them. They yep. not only not have the wisdom to manage it, which is one side of it, but they, of course, have all the influence to do the wrong thing with it. And most yep. importantly, you and I, as the ones that leave that gift, have to answer for it. We have to give an account. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. something mm-hmm. that, it's again, it's it's not understanding the biblical principles and understanding what Jesus said and what God's Word says. And yes, there's a scripture that says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. But it doesn't say you're supposed to leave, first of all, it doesn't even say you're supposed to leave anything for your children, which is interesting enough. We can debate that, but ultimately, (laughs) maybe it is just grandchildren. But really, I, I say it this way. If when I die, and let's say I'm in my 80s or 90s, and my kids are in their 60s and 70s, if they still need something from me, then that's a problem. Because yeah. if, if by 60, 70, they hadn't figured it out, they're not going to figure it out. And whatever amount of money I leave them through my estate will only hinder them in the long run because they continue to make bad decisions. Thankfully, right. my, my children do manage money well, but it's this cultural idea that this is an obligation that we have instead of understanding really what it means to leave an inheritance, that it's not just money that it's not that we work to the bone, so to speak, until we have enough so that we can put our kids in a position that we were never in. Well, yep. are they, does God want them to be in that position? There's so many things that we ignore when we allow the culture to dictate. That, and I think the biggest thing is that the the people who are listening that are in that position of leadership in a stewardship ministry, if there is anything that we could get through to them, it's that these are not math problems. These are, this is not about budgeting and structuring your cash flows and understand. Yes, that's part of it. But at its core, that is actually the easy part. That is such an irrelevant conversation if that's all you're going to talk about. Mm. Because you're never going to fix the actual core spiritual issue. And so these are way harder conversations to have. But the church is the only place that they can be had. 
with any biblical worldview, right? I mean, nobody's giving this type of content at large other than the church. This is, this is the place where people would come to community, come in community and would expect to have this type of conversation. And it needs to be this spiritual and emotional conversation, uh, not, hey, you know, don't accumulate debt and make sure you give your money to the church. Like that's, that's fine. Those are both valid, but there's an emotional and spiritual issue there, not just a math problem. And that's what I feel like I'm so frustrated that has been missed for so long. So I love the work that CSN is doing to try to call people back to that conversation. That's the work we need to be doing as a church. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's exactly what you guys are doing at good sense as well mm-hmm. is equipping the body with uh, God's principles and helping yep. them really to understand how to live that out. So I love what you guys are doing there and the content yep. you have that really helps people walk that out, whether they're at a certain level of income or higher level income. Like you said, it's really not a money issue. So right. if you're a good steward, as Scripture says, I think Luke 16, it says, if you're faithful with little, you're faithful with much. Uh, yep. If you're unfaithful with little, you're unfaithful with much. So it's not a money issue. It's a commitment and a heart issue. You know, yep. Have we really sacrificed our lives, including our finances and everything else that's part of our life? Or have we just said, I'm a Christ follower, but when it comes to my actual actions and the way I manage those things, there wouldn't be enough evidence to prove me guilty in front of a a jury because it doesn't look like I sacrifice or do anything according to what I've pronounced or said I am or I'm doing. So that's 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 sad. Um, but for both you and I, James, we, we had that revelation. God, at some point in our lives, whether it was younger or older, after we made the mistakes or before, God made it very clear to us that what we were pursuing wasn't going to bring the, the joy and the satisfaction and fulfillment we were looking for. Right. So, you know, that yeah. was the case with me. I didn't have an iPhone. I didn't have Amazon around, but I did a lot of damage. Thankfully, I didn't have it because I probably would have gone off the deep Even when those hurdles were in place to slow you down, it didn't slow you down, right? Still found a way to do it. And (laughs) all of us do to some degree, right? I mean, that's right. It is harder today. Freedom that we have actually can lead to much more bondage, and that's unfortunate. However, the Word of God is still affected today. It can still accomplish what it's designed to do, which is to bring both revelation, conviction, correction, and of course, God's blessing. Because once we fall under His principles, um, then we'll see the results of that. And it's always going to be, uh, it's the very thing yeah. that we're looking for. So James, in the last few minutes that we still have yeah. left over, what can people do to become more intentional? As you're working with different folks, obviously, in, in really kind of creating a plan for the rest of their lives almost, what are you doing? How are you helping people to to take some steps so that they have intentionality built into the way they make these decisions? Yeah, I think the most important uh, idea is to make sure you're making decisions ahead of time before you have to choose. So ideally, having some central reference point, however you want to structure that, whatever that looks like for your family, having some frame of reference to say, this is who we are. This is how we're going to go about living life. And we will measure all of our decisions against that reference point. So for us, in the Lenhoff household, we have four we will statements that are hanging on our wall in our kitchen. And they are, we will live in deep relationship, we will be authentic and sincere, we will remain steadfast in Christ, and we will lift the burdens of others. 
And so those four we will statements become the litmus test for everything we face. If, if we come up against a decision and we say, this is who we've already decided we're going to be, then does this thing move us closer to that or does it get in the way of that? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is it gets in the way of it, it's, we're always going to say no. But if the answer is that this decision, if we say yes to this thing, it will move us closer to these four things we've established, then our answer will always be yes. Right. So we have to have some way to measure what are we aiming at as a family and everyone's on board so that we're all in agreement that we're only doing things that fit in our mission as a family. The the second piece is if you've established that, then as you go into the year, one of the things we teach in our freed up content with Good Sense is uh, these two ideas of the non-negotiables and the lifestyle cap. The non-negotiables say this is the stuff that matters. We actually have a like a guided prayer meditation process that helps people filter out what really is important for our family. What do we really want to make sure we establish as our priorities as a way to start to put them in order so that everything else that doesn't fit naturally falls out. But we want to do that when we're not in the midst of a big decision. Like I want this new house. No, 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 no. We, we want to be thinking about these things when we're not already pulled in a direction where we're trying to make a decision and it's already emotional. So getting to a place where you say, it really matters that my kids are in private school, let's say, or it really matters that I'm not in a traveling sales job so that I can be home for dinner. Well, let's say those two things are in conflict with each other, right? Traveling sales job means you're, you're able to pay for your kids to go to private school but you're not home for dinner, right? So you got to wrestle those things to the ground instead of saying, I'm going to say yes to all of the things that I want, prioritizing, organizing around those non-negotiables, and then establishing your lifestyle cap. So as you walk into the year saying, this is enough, we've already decided we're going to take this vacation, we're going to invest in relationships this way, we're going to lift burdens of others this way, we're going to do these things in this coming year, and we've already decided those things. So that when the messaging comes along and says, hey, you know what you need or you know what you want, you can say, yeah, I do. I've already decided what I want and you weren't on the list because most of the time we don't know what we want. And so when they suggest something, when those marketing messages pop up on your phone or on your browser and say, hey, have you ever heard of this thing? And you go, oh, I need that now. I can't live without it. Well, you've lived without it your whole life until that moment, (laughs) but now you can't live without it, right? Because you you weren't intentional ahead of time saying, these are the things we've already decided. We've already established some of this groundwork. And now those decisions are super easy because you're already aware of what you've chosen. And now that isn't even really a choice anymore, right? You've, you've already taken those steps to say, this is what we've already said yes to. So the answer to everything else is no. And you're just way less susceptible to that emotional manipulation that uh, that so often takes advantage of us. Yeah, that's that's really really good. I mean, in a practical sense, obviously you're talking about, uh, and you mentioned it that you know you this is how much we're going to spend on our vacation and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. So really, talking right. about having a financial plan that's going to take into account what you're making what yep. your you know what your needs are for you and your family and that takes intentionality right you have to think That's about right. where are we going to live what are we going to eat what are we going to spend on clothing and those kind of things all of those have a cost to it and we know that the options for that could be very high or very low depending on what we're choosing so that's yep. also being intentional 
I love the fact that you started with this is about identifying what your family mission yeah. is. You have those yeah. four statements that are going to guide then how you're going to develop that plan. That's right. What you're going to do as far as work's concerned, as far as spending's concerned, and everything that is associated with that. And those kinds of decisions ahead of time make it easy then to come to a situation where it, there's an opportunity and, and you know, hey, this would be a good thing to do. So it's not necessarily just, oh, I want to buy something. That's, right. you know, that's easy enough, especially for someone that's lived on a budget and knows what they can spend. Um, they, have, they have parameters, or I should say, you know, almost like bowling lanes, right? I know I can stay within this amount and I'm safe. And right. that's okay. You, know, they're, sure. you don't have to overthink every decision. But it, it's about the other things that now begin to encroach on the most important things that you care about. That's right. We end up spending money accidentally on things that don't actually matter. Mm. And it leaves us with less to spend on the things that do matter. That's good. We end up putting these things that aren't even priorities in the mix, and it ends up stealing from us the, th the, the most important things. And, and then we are we're frustrated. And then those, those high level priorities, we take on debt because we're like, well, we can't say no to these things because we have to do these things. But these other things that we've already said yes to that just kind of muddied the water, you know, we just we're walking in setting ourselves up for failure. But the most beautiful thing about having that reference point, those four we will statements, just as an example of how to pull that off, is now as a faithful steward, that whole thing coming back to where we started of being able to say why. So when we did our vacation this year as a family, we took another family with us to go do adventure together. And if someone were to ask me as a faithful steward, why, why'd you spend money on that you know, big vacation and bring this other family? And the answer is because we've chosen that we will live in deep relationship, right? This fits. Mm -hmm. it, I can say that the reason was because I'm on mission, I'm living intentionally. Those are the kinds of things that start to give you confidence to say, yes, I, I am doing wise things. I'm making wise decisions with God's resources. I'm leaning further into what he's called me to do. And so I'm not ashamed of spending. I'm not, I don't feel guilty spending his resources on these things because I know this is what he's asking me to do. Invest in deep relationship. Bring someone with you on this trip that wouldn't get to go otherwise. Mm, like, that's a that. great use of his resources, right? So those are the kinds of things that start to open up when we frame those decisions ahead of time, and then we can be intentional with them rather than reactionary. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you mentioned priority, and really that's the only way to really kind of whittle down to what's most important, right? Because mm -hmm. we have so many options, especially when we're putting together a plan on how we're going to manage month to month, day to day, year to year. Yep. And without having priorities, you're right. A lot of the money ends up going on less than important and less valuable things. And we're not even realizing that we're sacrificing something that we would easily, if we were asked the question, would you spend on this or this? We right. would easily choose the more valuable thing that, you know, because we know that. We can easily know my kid's college education is more important than me getting coffee every day. Yeah, right? That's right. But yet that's if right. I get coffee every day, and I'm not talking about the kind you make at home. I'm talking about the kind you buy. That's uh, right. You add that up. I, I had a gentleman that uh, was coming into Starbucks when my wife was in college. She was working at Starbucks part-time. And he would come in once a day, sometimes more than once a day, and buy a 6 to $7 drink. 
Mm. And I was shocked by that because I'm, you know, yeah. I'm a numbers guy. So I'm like, I did the math real quick. I'm like, that guy's spending over $4,000 on coffee. I'm like, that's insane. <laughs> and, and, and then the few times that he would bring in his daughter, he would buy her something like a Frappuccino or something. And I thought, gosh, I wonder if he's putting money aside for college for his daughter. Right. And I'm thinking, right. well, I've done enough coaching or, and counseling for people to tell you that that's usually not the case. So right. I thought, well, right. if I were to approach that guy and say, hey, would you rather send your daughter to college or have special coffee every day? Which would you choose? Which is more important to you? There's no way that that guy would say, oh, my coffee is more important. Forget my daughter. No, yeah. he wouldn't say that. But then if he was faced with that decision he would probably make the right decision. But because he's not asking the right question and he's not looking at priorities, he's making a decision to potentially drink the, the resources that should have been gone t for better uses. I'm not sure if that's college is the thing or not, but ultimately it's just an example of how easily we can take something that's less valuable and, and then sacrifice something that's much more valuable. Yeah, I mean, th these are either or decisions and we think that they're both and, mm. right? That we, we just assume because we're so inundated with messages like you deserve this, you've earned this, treat yourself, indulge. We're constantly being messaged that we can have it all. And that's not true. These are either or decisions and there has to be some way to measure them and weigh them and say, this one matters more than this one. So this one is what I'm choosing, but we got to do that with some intentionality and some design to it because you know, left to our own devices, we will follow the path that leads to self-indulgence and selfishness and because it feels better mm -hmm. <laughs> and sacrifice <laughs> and denial, right? Um, but one of the things that I, I want uh, the church to be teaching, I want people to be leaning into is this idea that we, we want to live with intentionality. We want to we spend those resources and we want to celebrate that we're spending them on mission, on target. We're doing the things that matter. We don't want to celebrate restriction. Mm -hmm. So if someone says, hey, I'm doing really good on my budget, I'm saying no to everything, and I'm never having fun, and I'm never engaging in relational activities, I'm never taking my kids anywhere, we haven't seen a movie in 10 years, I'm like, hey, I'm not, I'm not proud of that. <laughs> that is a life that's not intentional. It's a life where the only intention you have is to restrict yourself from ever enjoying. Mm. And I do think that when we set some of these targets, we can say, no, 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 this is part of the math. God has given us some of his resources to d create delight. And, and when we can usher others into that, share meals with them, be part of this community, that's all beautiful. It's a thing that we should be doing with intentionality, celebrating that we've spent on that intention rather than celebrating that we've said no to everything and we're miserable. Yeah, thank you for adding that in there because it's yeah. so easy to take the, you know, to let the pendulum swing to the other side. And that's, that's right. never God's heart. In fact, you know, one of the scriptures that I do go to when I'm coaching someone is to say, you know, God desires for you. In fact, it says that you're worse than an unbeliever if you're not providing for your family. Right. And and part of that is that God's called you not just to have a, a, a life of obedience and, and you know, depressed and, and drudging life. He's called <laughs> you to something so much better. There's joy in living yes. for God. That's but, right. But the real things that make us joyful and fulfilled are those things that you've mentioned. It's the relationships, right? It's yep. doing things with people. It's not something that's just for me. We were not designed to be... Uh, 
selfish. <laughs> but right. but our sinful nature takes us there. But the more we go there, the more dissatisfied we are. And God's saying, you're going in the wrong direction. Come my way, follow my ways, and you will have the fulfillment, the joy uh, that that I offer. And that part of that is to enjoy life and enjoy the resources that God's given you. Solomon was very clear in Ecclesiastes. He was lamenting about a lot of things, but one of the things that became very clear in that message is enjoy the things that God has given you under the sun. That's right. Because, you know, that's a good thing. You know, you, you can't control the rest of it, and you don't know your destination. Uh, now, if you're in Christ, you know your destination, but you don't know what's going to happen. So don't take the opposite perspective, which is, okay, to be a good steward means uh, I have to save, save, save. I can't, you know, I have to give it all away. No, everything is done with balance, and it's done by being in relationship with God and being in relationship with others so that you always have the wisdom you need to make these decisions. Yep, that's right. Well, James, right. I, I so appreciate you taking the time to, to discuss this. This is something that I think it's so needed, and I think a lot of our leaders that listen to this podcast really needed that encouragement to, to <laughs> understand that it's not our strategy, it's not our wisdom, it's not our, you know— uh, great budgeting skills that are going to help people <laughs> um, to, to get to that place of freedom and the place of fulfillment, that it's truly bringing people back to God's Word and, and supporting them through that journey to you know, really renounce the spirit of mammon and this desire that comes from us, from the sinful nature that wants to lead us away from Him and the very joy and the purpose that God has built for us to live out. And That's so right. thank you for taking the time to be, be part of this podcast and discuss this with me. Oh, absolutely. It's always so fun to have these conversations with you, Leo. Thank you. This is great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, same here. Well, I want to thank everyone that's listened to the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, please do us a favor and like and subscribe to our podcast. But more importantly, share it with somebody. Uh, make sure that another stewardship champion or somebody in your family or someone that you think would benefit from this uh, hears it. And you could do that very easily. Just send them a link to it. Uh, it's so easy to do today through your phone. Uh, just forward this on to them. Let them enjoy some of this content. Hopefully the Lord will use it. I believe that what we've spoken today is really true to God's heart, and it's His desire that we would follow these principles and be intentional about being good stewards and using His resources to love on people and to pursue God's kingdom and God's work. If you want to know more about CSN, we would love for you to go to our ChristianStewardshipNetwork.com website. And you can find out more about us there. We have some content there, and uh, we also have our membership. So you can find all that information from our website. And if you want to know more about James and especially the Good Sense Movement, you can go to goodsensemovement.org, and you can find out some of the great resources that they have that you could use to help your people become better uh, stewards and more generous givers. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader. 